Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A very popular guest on this program, the Parliamentary Budget Officer, Mr. Yves Giroux, is back with us. Mr. Giroux, how are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? I'm doing great. I'm just curious. I always ask people toward the end of the year, what kind of year has it been? So I ask doctors, I ask politicians, I ask everybody. So the parliamentary budget officer, what kind of year has it been? Uh, It's been a rather busy year. So I thought that uh, the pandemic year, 2020, was very busy, but uh, 2021 was busy and 2022 didn't disappoint either. The government ensure that we had lots to uh, to talk about and and parliamentarians also asked us lots of very interesting questions which we endeavored to respond to and that kept us busy throughout the year you know people have long memories <laughs> i just received an email from uh, tom in toronto and he wanted to know if that bet was ever finalized between you and me about who was buying who a beer or several beers i don't think it was no, uh, it was not. I'm going to have to go back to, and listen to that program and see what the parameters were. I, you know, this is what people like about you, though. You come on the show, you provide the information that we need to know about government spending and where we are, but you do it with a sense of humor as well, and you, you're able to com- communicate with us. So just on a, in a general sense, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, now, let me ask you this question. In um, Earlier this year, November you suggested that the Liberals, the current government, did not show fiscal restraint in the fall update. Could you expand on that, please? And then let us know why in particular, or if, or if this is a time in particular, where fiscal restraint should be exhibited by the federal government. Well, I, I mentioned that because before the fall economic statement, the government and the Minister of Finance and Deputy Prime Minister had mentioned on a couple of occasions that the government was going to keep its powder dry in the fall statement to respond to uncertainty around the world. So, um, like many people, I expected to see a fall economic statement that would be along those lines. However, when we saw the fall economic statement, the government has been able to benefit from better than expected economic growth and inflation, which together has contributed to generating about $81 billion in fiscal room over several years. So $81 billion in unexpected fiscal room in November compared to the projections in April, that sounded like a good surprise. However, in that same fall economic statement, the government proceeded to spend over $52 billion of that fiscal room for maneuver. So that's why I said at the time, I don't call that keeping your powder dry. If you spend 
the vast, well, you, you spend more than half of the unexpected fiscal room that you suddenly have, uh, that doesn't leave a lot left to respond to unforeseen circumstances, which could very well happen with an economic slowdown, with what's happening in Ukraine, and God knows what else could happen, including pressures from provincial premiers for more transfers from the federal government to provinces to respond to health care pressures. So this is the macro version of what happens to all of us. We have a certain amount of finances coming in. We may have a certain amount of money set aside. We have a margin within which to operate. But if we constantly live on the edge of that margin, we're one step, two steps away from being in significant trouble or potentially. We already know that 50% of Canadians, pollsters have been told this repeatedly, 50% of Canadians are within $200 of not being able to pay their bills at the end of the month. So we can't have governments operating on that same principle. Am I understanding you correctly? Is the metaphor appropriate? Uh, I think it is appropriate. There's there's a big difference, however, between households and the government. Households will, like sadly, will all uh, end up in the grave. So we have a, a finite timeline, whereas governments survive us. And governments have much more capacity, much bigger capacity to borrow to, to face unforeseen events. So we are... Uh, different, but but your metaphor is is right. I think it's totally appropriate. And I was going to to say uh, the government seems to live like uh, like most Canadians who who are two hundred dollars from not making ends meet. So it, the government seems to be reflecting the way Canadians or some Canadians live. Yeah, and it's worrisome. Again, going to what you talked about, and that's the uncertainty, both at the national level and at the international level. We don't want to know what's going to happen in this world, and we need to have, as you said, we need to keep our powder dry. Now, you expressed concerns on my program, Mr. Giroux, earlier during the pandemic about how the federal government was spending billions of dollars at that time without accounting at all to Parliament and therefore to Canadians how and on what those monies were being spent have you since been able to determine where those billions of dollars went? And, and there's also a news story. I don't know. Uh, I'll ask you about this. There's a news story that you told the Commons Government Operations Committee that Canada rates worst among G7 nations and in concealing its books from scrutiny by taxpayers? Yep, I mentioned that in response to questions by parliamentarians related to how late the public accounts uh, of the Government of Canada were tabled. And the public accounts are kind of the financial statements uh, that indicate to Canadians and parliamentarians what happened after the fiscal year is over. So the fiscal year of the government ends March 31st every year. So you'd expect the financial statements, the public accounts, to be publicly available, all the numbers tallied within six months of the end of the fiscal year. So that would mean no later than September 30th. But last year, the government waited and waited and finally published the public accounts in December. So almost nine months after the start of the new fiscal year. So parliamentarians have to vote and approve or debate how much governments will get to to function, to properly, properly operate. But they don't know what happened in the previous year. So they finally are told in December what happened for the 
previous fiscal year, but the current fiscal year is almost three quarters over. So there's not that much that parliamentarians can do if they see that something went amiss. So this year, things were a little bit better. Uh, the government tabled its public accounts uh, by the end of October, I think October 27, if I'm not mistaken. But still, the fiscal year is almost seven months over. And that's when the government finally releases the, its financial statements. Mm. But it, it gets worse when you go down to the departmental level. So the departments of so-and-so, pick a department, they, they have what we call departmental results reports. And that's supposed to indicate to parliamentarians and Canadians how, how, how well or not so well specific departments perform by their own performance metrics. And these were tabled in November. So if you're an MP that has a keen interest in national defense, for example, you have to wait till November to figure out what happened at the Department of National Defense and how they fared on their own performance indicators. So it places parliamentarians in the strange position to having to face funding requests from all these departments without knowing what they did and how, they, how well they performed in the previous year. So they find out in November that the department of so-and-so did very well or not so well or poorly, but in the meantime, they've had to approve virtually all of the funding for the current fiscal year. So it's, it's kind of um, driving blind, so to speak, or it's not a blank check but because there are checks and balances, but parliamentarians have no idea what went wrong uh, aside from hearing from their constituents and anecdotes uh, from the government before they're asked to approve funding. Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's just, that, that's absent, um, just basic efficiencies. Somebody should remind somebody that calculators were invented some years ago and uh, numbers can be arrived at by just pressing a few buttons. I'm being cynical, of course. Um, did we, just before we take the break, and we need to do that in about 30 seconds, did, were you able to find out where those billions of dollars went that you were concerned about during, when we talked during the pandemic, when the government was spending billions of dollars without accounting at all to Parliament about where the money was going? Well, that's more uh, an issue for the Auditor General, my colleague, Madame Karen Hogan, and she released reports a couple of days ago, and, and she indicated that she had concerns about over $30 billion of pandemic spending that went and that ended up in the wrong hands. So she did a, mm -hmm. an interesting report that suggests the government is not so keen on recovering these amounts that are have probably or could have been paid, paid or, uh, unnecessarily. So it, it's not my responsibility to figure out where the money has gone in the past. I'm more concerned about the, the, the future. Okay. Mr. Giroux, uh, two months ago you suggested a recession isn't expected in Canada in 2023, if I remember correctly. What do you expect? <laughs> I expect something <laughs> that will be probably not a recession, but a marked slowdown. So we had quite robust economic growth in 2021 and 2022, at least in the first half of 2022. Uh, however, the monetary tightening, so that's the increases in the Bank of Canada rates, uh, will probably or has already started to slow things down uh, in the economy. And I anticipate that this will continue 
at least in the first half of 2023. Uh, so not a recession, not necessarily a recession, but a recession is possible, for example, if the Bank of Canada really goes full steam ahead in increasing interest rates. For example, if the bank thinks it's necessary to increase the rates further to uh, return inflation to the 1% to 3% target band that it, that it has, or should it want or should it desire, should it decide that it needs to increase interest rates further to, um, to restore or reinstate or maintain its credibility. So that's, that's the big unknown. How far will the Bank of Canada go in increasing its interest rates? So if they leave the rates as they are, 4.25%, uh, we think a recession is not a foregone conclusion, and it could be what we call a soft landing. I say the Bank of Canada, but it's also dependent on what other major central banks in the world will do, notably the Federal Reserve. So I think a recession is not unavoidable. We could be in a soft landing. And even if it was a recession, and a recession, I mean, the way it's conventionally defined, two quarters, two consecutive quarters of negative growth, so contraction, I don't think it will feel like a recession, like people usually have in mind when we, we hear the word recession, uh, probably because the labor markets are so tight in most parts of the country. So even if there was a recession, it wouldn't feel like uh, massive layoffs and hard times to find a job because of the situation in the labor market. Yeah. And there are the variables and the unknowns, which you spoke of earlier in the program. But plus, would that not also affect then, or should it not affect, the government's um, freedom to, to spend, brings us back to what we talked about earlier, and uh, and then also make it incumbent on, uh, I'm asking you for editorial opinion, I think, uh, make it incumbent on, on governments to report their, their spending sooner. Absolutely. So if we are faced with a, a slowdown that's deeper than expected, the government's finances would be affected, but it wouldn't be anything like we've seen in 2020, 2021, when governments, at least the federal government, ran a huge deficit of over $300 billion. So it would push up the deficit by $10, $12, 15000000000 billion. That is assuming they just let automatic, automatic stabilizers such as employment insurance kick in, that they don't embark on additional new spending. So people listening might say that's a, a heroic assumption to make, and granted, they may be right. So if the government decided to counter a marked economic slowdown or a recession with significantly more spending, then the deficit would rise by more than 12 or $15 billion. So it would, it would rise significantly more. But right. yes, it, it would certainly help if the government was more transparent and more timely in disclosing its financial situation, in allowing parliamentarians and Canadians to make these trade-offs. Do we need more government intervention? Or okay. are we okay with the current uh, stabilizers that exist? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.